Hey guys, welcome to Stock Talk. As always, Trevor Kirkpatrick here alongside Corey Edge. We have another great guest for you guys, Mr. Brent Titus with the Purple Tag Ranch. Uh, we have a very good discussion about Pure Enough and a lot of topics around that and kind of throw in a fun segment there or two. Uh, Corey traveled to his place and was able to sit down and discuss a thing or two. Good times. Oh man, for sure. It's always great talking to Brent and, you know, Brent and I haven't really known each other for very long. Um, but Brent's been involved in the sheep industry. I think he even mentions it, uh, for, you know, 20 plus years. And, you know, one, again, to have Brent on the show just means a ton, not only to me, but I'm sure Trevor, uh, for a, a guy that hasn't been involved in the show lamb industry at all. Um, well, I shouldn't say it all, Trevor, you showed a couple market lambs back in the day, huh? I did. I showed uh-huh. for two years, got me a grand champion at the Fade County Fair, and walked out of the barn the next year. <laughs> Called it a career <laughs> but, uh, winner. <laughs> two, two years was good with me, but you're right, though. I mean, that that was my only involvement in the, the club lamb industry. Uh, and to be able to hear from a different perspective and, and to be able to hear how much passion he has and the stock that he raises and the, the thought processes he had to go through, uh, you know, with pure enough and with his lambs and, and some of the best ones he's ever saw. So, um, I think the people are up for a really, really good, um, listen here, uh, with some of the topics we have. Oh, for sure. It's, it was a treat for me to go down there after our, uh, interview, had the chance to go through the barn and, uh, uh, see some of the sheep that, that Brent had, uh, ready to, Fresh ones too. I mean, a couple of days old. Some even born that day. I think he he said uh, he had eight lamb that day oh, wow. that I got there. So and a couple more that I think we're getting ready to drop when I left. Uh, but yeah, just uh, uh, again another one, folks. That I would strongly encourage you to pay attention to. I think we got a really good conversation with Brent here, um, and looking forward to uh, hearing some feedback, seeing what you guys have to think uh, about some of our conversation with Brent. And getting another species checked off the list. So that's right. That's right. We have a lot of pig discussion so far. We jumped into the show lamb industry. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's welcome Mr. Brent Titus. Brent, thanks so much for hopping on. And it's uh it's been something we've looked forward to ever since we've scheduled this. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, real briefly, just kind of give us a size and scope of your flock and your operation and kind of where it come from and where you're headed to. Sure. Um, my wife and my son and I operate Titus Club Lambs. Um, we uh, have grown pretty rapidly here in the last five years. Uh, I told Corey we'll be close to 100 mature use uh, that will lamb uh, or that were exposed uh, this season, and we did breed about 30 ewe lambs. Um, of that, uh, on the mature ewes, about 60% of them are blacks, the other 40% whites and speckles. Um, uh, it's really an overgrown 4-H project for me. I, I did not grow up in a family that raised livestock. Uh, my, my family, uh, my dad is a racehorse trainer. Um, so, you know, this was, uh, we started in 4-H, my brother and I, and, uh, it's just really maturated from there. So I'm a first generation livestock producer, um, which, uh, is, uh, is fun and, uh, most definitely, uh, somewhat, uh, scary too. Um, cause, uh, I basically had to learn it all on the fly, but, uh, my wife does come from production agriculture background and she's a, she's a great help. She's, uh, off doing something for her job tonight and could, couldn't be here with us. But, uh, 
she uh, she has uh, more production background experience in, at, at, from a family farm aspect than I do. Yeah, Trev, you could relate to that a little bit. Talk about first generation kind of deal, you know. And uh, my dad grew up showing cattle and stuff like that. Didn't really have much of a sheep or swine background. And, and Trevor, shoot, your your family, even though you have some ties with the show pig deal, I mean, you, you're kind of going to be the first generation. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the the first first couple years of life, we lived in a subdivision and had to travel to our barn for a half hour. So, hey, I get it. You got to start somewhere. And I would love to hear the percentage of operations today that started out as a 4-H project, because I'd bet we would be shocked by the number. I mean, yeah. that's pretty common, it seems. For sure. For sure. So, um, Brent, talk about starting from a 4-H project. I mean, how it's evolved and stuff like that. I mean, what was kind of the first step into starting in the sheep business? Sure. I think it started my freshman year at Lakeland. Uh, I was on the judging team, and we were buying a lot of weathers uh, from Brad Dale uh, out in Iowa. Uh, that uh, well, I was done at that point, but my brother was still showing, and and I went and bought a package of ewe lambs from Brad. Um, uh, bought a buck, uh, I believe, uh, from him as we yeah, bought a buck from him as well, in with that group, and that that kind of started it for us. Um, there are there's one ewe family left that goes back to that first set of ewes we've. Uh, those were some really good sheep. Uh, at that t- time, he was so far ahead of the rest of the industry. I mean, he was just thumping on everybody. That was the, that was the place to be. Uh, obviously, he's raising some really good sheep now as well. But uh, at that time, he was he was light years ahead of everybody in the Midwest. And uh, so we started with that. Um, the white ones started because uh, of my wife. Uh, she really liked them. I went to Dwayne Herleman's and bought a group of Dorset ewes one year. And... Uh, and I bought Carl Venable out, which is the, the, the genetic family that Pure Enough came from. And so we've incorporated lots of genetics over the time, over the years that we thought were meaningful to, to the changes we wanted to make. Um, but really, uh, the only thing I ever did right was I went and bought a group of ewes from one guy. Yeah. Um, and I think if, if, if I could tell anybody that wants to start one piece of advice, man, that's it. Hitch your wagon to somebody, find somebody's program you like, and instead of trying to handpick one for me and one from, you know, the neighbor guy and one from some breeder you like in Texas, go somewhere and buy group use. Um, because if the consistency was there, the sheep weren't perfect, you know, on the first ones, and it took us a while to get them lined out, but you could breed them consistently. So um, I kind Boy, of dumb luck in doing it right, but I did it right. <laughs> Well, I was just, I don't mean to interject there, but that is, uh, it's something to think about because you, uh, you pretty much are just going to add whatever they've started and they already have a kind of a halfway nucleus built and you're just putting your own little personality on, on the flock. So huh, that is, uh, that's fascinating stuff. Well, you know, most people that start raising livestock aren't, aren't breeders, they're multipliers, right? And we, we all are. I mean, I, for the longest time, I would have considered us a multiplier, you know, we're buying genetics we like and and uh and trying to populate that trait you know there are very few breeders out there heck i'm not sure on the blackface side if we even get 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 to be called a breeder there yet i mean i still think i'm a multiplier buy the genetics from the guys that i think are, is working and, and try to duplicate what they're doing there's nothing wrong with it but you know the true breeders are are pretty limited yeah that's true that's true um so 
speaking of breeding and selection and stuff like that, if Brent Titus could build the perfect sheep, what's it look like? The Granded Indiana. That one was pretty close. There it is. Yeah. Favorite one, you've, best one you've it ever seen. It was the best one I've seen. I, 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 this will sound arrogant, but we're just communicating as friends. I thought, yeah. we, I thought the closest one to that one that I saw this summer was Trace's blue one that was reserved in Illinois. And we were nowhere near as fat, mature, and ready as the sheep that won Indiana was. He thumped us that day. Uh, that one hit the ring. I just thought he was a creature. Yeah. Um, there was a sheep that I used uh, for granted to Southwest District. A long, long time ago was a Stitzline sheep that I thought was as good a one as I'd seen. That one in Indiana wound me up. I mean, I, I think we have got to talk about making livestock quality. And to me, that one just exuded quality. Short-bladed, sappy-middled, big-backed. That's a good barrow steer, lamb, goat, doesn't matter. You know, you put, <laughs> you put those traits in other livestock, they'll be high quality too. Yeah, yeah I dig that one. He was, yeah. he was as close to ideal. As any, I've I've had the opportunity to see in person. That's awesome. I unfortunately didn't have a chance to be there that day, but I heard a lot of things. I was watching the show, stuff like that. We had cheap showing, and I I would probably agree with you. When I saw that, I mean, even judging from a video, you got 30, 40 lambs coming in the ring at one time. You take one look at a you know three quarter shot of them coming at you, and like, whoa, that is. I just think it's so unique that that's the t- that's one of the three or four toughest shows in the country, right? Yeah. Indiana's elite, and there are a lot of elite ones there. And for one to be that far ahead of the rest of the pack right. at a show, of, I mean, I've judged shows where you're like, yeah, that one's way out there, but not at the Indiana State Fair. Yeah. And he was just right. miles ahead of my thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy. You go out and, and you see different stuff. And usually at the top end, once somebody has their grand drive out there, you're like, okay, there's three, four, five of them out here, different ways you, anybody could go realistically. But for somebody to be like, well, that thing is light years ahead of everything else. A show of that quality is hard to find anywhere, really. So Yeah, I agree completely. So I'm, pretty, I'm pretty guessing what, that's one of those creatures where it didn't, it didn't take long in class, like, whoa, boy. That one's got to be, that one's got to be it. If if there's another one, that's going to be a good good pair. But uh, gosh, I love what well, that. There's a moment, and in that moment, it's it's game time. It's that that's my boy right there. I don't want to make the hair on your neck stand up. I mean, yeah. he hit the ring, mm-hmm. and I was just like, man, that one's special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. I, the next thing I wanted to kind of touch on, uh, just to kind of uh, segue or maybe switch tune just a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the purple tag, uh, marketing scheme. I call it scheme. That sounds negative, but it's genius. And it's one, it's one thing that everybody can relate to. And once they kind of see the purple tag, I mean, Corey alluded to it when we opened up the purple tag ranch, and I guarantee you, uh, the sheep people out there knew exactly where we're, where we're at today. So, uh, if you could, if you had an idea, like, I think we need to choose purple if there is any reason. And what what you kind of use that purple tag to represent in your flock? So I don't know why we picked purple. I mean, that was the ear tags <laughs> that we've used since we started raising sheep. So it, there's no significance to that color other than uh-huh. it was the color we picked um, 30 years ago. So, uh, um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, the whole better get a purple tag for me was how, how do you brand your stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, every day in my real job, I, you know, I work in marketing and sales and, you know, how, 
how do you make those products stand out from competitive products? And, you know, it kind of started as a joke and then it kind of became something that's synonymous with our sheep. And, and, uh, you know, it was no genius effort for sure. It just kind of happened. And now, now, now we're stuck with it. Good or good or bad. Right. I mean, it's not going away, but I do think that well, it's something it, everybody recognizes. So I think that's a good sure. thing. Yeah. We, well, we do too. I mean, obviously we want, we, we want people to recognize that with us and that marketing scheme. Scheme is a fine word. It is. It's a marketing schedule. And, and that's what we're trying to do is just get people to, you know, associate with what we're doing. Um, there's a, there there's thousands of clubland producers in this country, and there's a lot of really good ones. So you know, we're just hoping somebody stops and looks at ours. And if that's if, if that that catchphrase gets them to pull in their driveway, you know, we, we think the sheep will speak for themselves, or we hope they will if we're doing things right. But we got to get them to pull in the lane in a Lexus, or they're never going to buy one. <laughs> Hey, it's a, little right. bit of, it's a little drive out here on a dirt road, too. So. Yeah, we're not just uh, centrally located <laughs> off the best paved roads in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of crazy. You know, everybody's got their own, uh, at least the the people that are recognizable, the, I would, you know, the, the class of maybe more elite or more recognizable breeders, whether it's, you know, club lambs, show cattle, show pigs, whatever, Everybody kind of recognizes them for something. Maybe it's something they produce. Maybe it's their brand or logo, whatever. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I kind of the same deal. I work in sales and marketing, too. And there's a thousand fish in the sea, and you got to be the different one swimming the other way to get noticed sometimes. So, Well, I just figured around here we're never going to be able to do it by being bigger. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, facilities limit us 125 years is about all we can handle between two full-time jobs and Trey showing and uh, so it the approach was not to just be bigger than everybody else you had to figure out a way to to make a meaningful impact i'm not sure that we have yet but we're sure trying well i i would say there's there's probably a a good group of of club land breeders and livestock enthusiasts out there that recognize at least at least one name from the purple tag ranch and and brent you said earlier pure enough uh, and that's maybe a conversation we'll divulge into here a little bit later, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of crazy people trying to get people into the drive, trying to, trying to sell livestock. Sometimes it gets a little, little wild. And, uh, most of the time, a lot of people turn to Facebook and social media and stuff like that. So Trevor and I kind of thought of a, a fun little, uh, uh, segment to this, this podcast we're going to try for the first time with you. And so, Trevor, I'll let you go ahead and and spill the beans and let our audience know what we're going to do here for this uh, first segment that we're going to try out. Oh, yeah. Uh, And this will be a fun kind of let loose uh, segment because uh, we've all been on social media many, many times per day. And in the livestock industry, uh, there's there's a lot of good ways to market your livestock via social media. However, there's a lot of different ways that kind of drive me crazy. And there's some pet peeves that I have that absolutely drive me wild. So what we're going to try to focus on is uh, we're going to call it social smash. So what kind of social media pet peeves kind of drive me crazy? And I'll start to kind of to break the ice here. Uh, me coming from the show pig industry, and I've even seen it in, in some uh, day old show lambs, uh, the bass mastering. And if uh, our listeners don't really know what a bass master is, 
if you ever watched a fishing show and they're pulling a bass out of the water and they bring it real close to the camera with two hands, uh, people are now bringing pigs right out of the sow or lambs right out of the ewe and holding it up and taking a picture and trying to <laughs> pretty much sell it online when they're uh, still soaking wet. Uh, that to me is uh, kind of far-fetched, and I know we all can get excited and, and snap a picture or two, but the bass mastering for me is a very comedic way to kind of see <laughs> people online doing it that way, but uh, the bass, mas- bass you're, mastering so is So you're telling is me you don't, you don't know that they're going to be a great one within the first six hours? I mean... Oh, you know, they're, they're all boars and, you know, we, we got to raise a big one or, Hey, we got a, we got a, we got a killer here. That's, uh, you know, still soaking wet, but, uh, I'm gonna uh yeah, tell you, I'm gonna tell you right now that use of the term bass mastering, uh, in response to baby livestock, every time you say it, you got to pay Windex $25. He was the first one to put it on a post on Facebook, stop bass mastering those baby pigs. And then it off. So he gets, Will gets credit for bass mastering, even though I use the term regularly. Definitely, definitely Wintex, he gets, the, he gets the credit for that. That's awesome. Brent, you got one? Oh, yeah. Uh, lo- no doubt. Look. We, can, we can talk about this. No one. doubt. The bass mastering would have been my first one, but uh, my my. My biggest pet peeve, and, and I know that we have to advertise winners, right, and everybody wants to get all the credit that they can, but I'm a real, real stickler for the class champion. Um, <laughs> the barn favorite? Yeah, well, that one's bad, too. But, you know, <laughs> or or I saw one the other day. It was a fifth overall something at uh, a show. Well, there was only one class. The animal was fifth in class. <laughs> So oh third boy. to the reserve champion. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So those frustrate me, right? Okay. You're not grand champion of your breed. You're champion of your breed. The grand champion wins the show. And I understand that we all want to take credit when our livestock looks good and does well, but it just really frustrates me. It's like, you want a class. You are not a champion. You will be a champion yeah, when well, they have a drive, and then you are chosen from that drive. But, yeah. I know that yeah. uh, a, lot, a lot of people like that, but it does. And crowd favorite, I'm, I'm way out on that one, too, because I'm very confident no one that advertised the crowd favorite took a poll of the people at that show and have any idea what ain't my thing. Yeah, like two or, three, two or three buddies come up to them after, man, you really got screwed on that deal. Yeah. 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 I probably, I've got a few. Honestly, I think we all, we all start somewhere. We all are a little bit incompetent and maybe don't understand everything that's going on. But... The keyboard warrior on the the social media page sites, you know, like the Showland page. The keyboard warrior that really thinks, you know, they've been doing it for how many years and everything like that, giving bad advice. Like the guy that told the people the other day that the treadmills don't work on show lamps? That, that kind of stuff irritates me to no end. I mean, I understand. People, some people don't know. They just literally, they just don't know. So they ask a question on Facebook. But then the responses eat me alive. And really, I just use it for entertainment because I just scroll through. And luckily, guys like you or some other guys that go on there every once in a while. And, but it's not every post like some of these guys do. And that eats me alive. I just sit there and look at them. <sighs> well, and I think that everyone wants knowledge, right? And it bothers me because these poor people are asking because they want help. Exactly. And we yeah. have people answering that really have no business. And there are questions right. that I have no business answering. I mean, I'm... Certainly not putting any of us on a pedestal, right? We're all smart enough to say, I don't know. Yeah, right. But uh, sometimes people should say, I don't know. Exactly. Uh, 
My favorite is uh, the cake mix trick on the show pick pages. Everybody wants to feed cake mix to everything just to make, you know, add some fat here, make them maybe just eat a little bit better. But yeah. Well, that's, that's what I love going over to show family's place and okay. Well, remind me what the ration is on this one. Well, Jimmy down the road said we needed to, to add this to get this. And then uh, Bob up the street here said we needed to add two grams of this. And then I just wanted to get your opinion. I'll, okay, well, are you going to listen to mine too and then add it to that? Or, you know, everybody wants help. But how much help can you stand? I mean, it kind of gets crazy. Well, and I think that, unfortunately, it, I mean, like you've seen it for years, right? People want help. So they ask multiple opinions when they really should do what I said about going and buying, like you said, a use, find somebody you trust exactly. and ask your opinion. Yep. And they might not do it the way that Corey does it, and Corey might not do it the way that Brent does it, but it probably, if you use their program, it is probably going to be relatively successful. Um, exactly. Everybody has a different way to get to the end point, but, oh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good programs. You start sure. putting them and try to blend them together, then you cause problems. Right, right. Well, and that's the funny thing. You, know, you get picture, picture, people post pictures on Facebook in these groups or even just in general. You know, it could be a spot of ringworm, could be staph infection, could be a broken leg, could be whatever. And they ask questions and get opinions from people on what the hell they think's going on. What's wrong with them? Like, do you not have a vet? Can you not consult with somebody that's a professional? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, there are people for that. Well, they're called Google. doctors. They're trying, yeah. to, uh, they're trying to save on their vet bill and really they're just making it worse. For sure. Jeez. Well, I will say, Brent, I am... Uh, with all the negative... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I admit that social, I mean, that social media platform is, is a positive, right? Oh, we can is. sit around and joke about oh, yeah. it and say, oh, these people or so-and-so did XYZ on Facebook. But in terms of expanding your scope... Heck, yeah. And uh, there's knowledgeable people on there, too. There is. You know? So... Just got to um, make sure you're... you're uh, 90% good, but the 10% <laughs> bad is real fun to laugh at. Yeah, it is. It is. It is for sure. Well, well that's, that's what I was just alluding at. I mean, you're, I absolutely, you know, you go down through Facebook at, of a night or whatever, and, you know, the your two rules of what should not happen after 2.30 p.m., uh, I, you know, those kind of things. I love to kind of look through it at, through social media, and, and you're killing it on giving people laughs and, and posting some stuff. But, uh, yeah, kudos to you. <laughs> It's entertaining, that's for sure. But it's also, I mean, shoot, there's there's times where maybe I don't know an answer to someone, something, and somebody asks a question, I get an answer. I'm like, oh, all right, yeah. So yeah, but man, the social smash, I think, is hilarious. I really want us, I really want us to get uh, more friends on Snapchat. So I think if we can create a Snapchat culture that's a little bit, you know, on the same basis of Facebook, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll put that in the book and. Work at that. I don't know, Facebook's for old people. My son tells me that all the kids use Instagram now. I don't even understand how Instagram works. Oh, we had to get an yeah. Instagram page apparently because we we were just going to stick to like Facebook and Twitter. But I guess that's if you're trying to reach the audience, it's you know like seventeen to twenty three. They're not on Facebook and, and Instagram. You got to be. That's what Trace old news. That's what Trace tells me. Yeah, Snapchat and Insta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I don't really see much on maybe just because I'm not on Instagram very much, but I don't see much of the the uh, bass mastering going on on, on Instagram. Maybe okay. I should get on Instagram. Then. Yeah, maybe that, that's maybe we need to take those people and say, hey, let's uh, if you're gonna post pictures, let's go over here, go to go to Instagram with it. Maybe the younger audience might catch on. 
There you go. Just create a whole uh, whole generation of Bassmasters. <laughs> so I wish I was smart enough to know when they're that size, which ones the good ones were. Oh my! Oh no, kidding! We'd all be rich if that was the case. Yeah, I'd sell all them fat, fluffy ones everybody likes and keep the good ones. That's right. It just doesn't work that <laughs> way. Yeah. So then you were saying you're, you know, we were talking about top two favorite sheep, probably second one or close runner up is Trace's reserve from this year in Illinois. Yeah, he's really one of my favorite sheep. Would that would that be your favorite that TMT's ever shown? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The sheep we won in Illinois with in 15, uh, I liked a lot. He was a Neff as well. But this one, uh, this one's just pretty special. Uh, you know, for one to be reserve grand at the Midwest State Fair, win a breed at Louisville, Gonna make it to Denver. I mean, we don't know how that's gonna go, but yeah. I mean that's a long that's a, that's, a, that's, a t- that's tough. Yeah, you know, it takes a special sheep to be able to look highly competitive that many times. I I, I like that sheep a lot. Yeah, I I, uh, I was very fortunate to get him at chances. So did Chance know at two days old that he was gonna be in? I don't think anybody <laughs> did. Uh, I kind of took a, I kind of took a flyer on him to be real honest with you. He was the second sheep I bought there. This spring, the other one that was reserving our open show at Illinois, that was second at Louisville, uh, was the one that we'd liked. I mean, he was like the one, you yeah, know? right. And this one had some really, really freak pieces, but he was pretty slick-legged. Well, you, you judged him. Yeah. Uh, at the he was in all kinds of pieces, but I loved them. Yeah. Like, the pieces were real neat. Yeah, but we just didn't ever know if they were going to come together. and Well, you know, they did. Yeah. They did. He's, he's been a fun sheep to feed it. And this will sound silly. It'll make me sound sentimental, but the sheep is just got craziest personality and i mean him and trace just really really are tight that's cool you gotta love those oh, that's awesome. so let's talk about pure enough because i think it's uh i don't know when this episode's gonna air but i do know that it's pretty timely to be sitting down here after kind of the unfortunate news that pure enough's gone to be in in a show sheep heaven uh, well, surely he's got to be there for some of the accolades and things like that he's had. But really, for me, uh, personally, you know, true game changer in creating white sheep, not purebreds, but making dorset-appearing weathers, uh, weather dams that can go on to produce dorset-appearing sheep as well. Uh, I mean, just kind of crazy to think, maybe, probably not the first one that's been a crossbred that's come out all white and sired all white sheep. But definitely one of the best ones, probably on the Mount Rushmore of white sheep if you're talking about uh, weather sires. But, you know, let's uh, – because you guys raised pure enough. Yep. And so, you know, to to create an individual like that, man of the year, uh, award winner, stuff like that, has won a ton of shows uh, in the both the speckle and white face arenas. And, you know, to, to do that, I mean, how does that feel for you guys just as a family to – to know he's done some of the things that he's done. Well, I mean, you just, uh, I mean, my perspective is probably a little different now that we, we had to put him down last week, but um, just glad to be along for the ride, you know? I mean, uh, um, you know, he's a true multiplier situation. I, bu- I bought a set of use. His mother and sire came in that group. I was not rocket science to make him. Um uh, his mother was shown in Indiana by uh, the Jim Parker family, and she was 
one of the biggest reasons I bought that set of used. I thought she was one of the most unique speckled face market lambs I'd ever seen. Um, she's actually down here in the other barn with the lamb owner. And uh, Brian Johnson had brought his full brother the year before. Lucky called Sugar Daddy. Um, and so, you know, it only made sense for us to repeat the mating. Right. It made Sugar Daddy when we've got that set of ewes. And uh, uh, he was March born, late late baby. Uh, was actually a twin. And a twin brother was a speckle that Ty Allen bought. Um, I wanted to cut him. Uh, to win to win the Dorset Snow IE, um, my wife was adamant that we were not going to. It's always the wife. So yeah, and she'll tell you. She'll tell you too. She said he'd have been a wedding. Wouldn't that about? Wouldn't even been up here enough. So so you know, um, we're very proud to have raised him, um, and we're very proud of what he has done and what he's done for us. I mean, none of this is possible without him. He changed everything um, for Lindsay and Trace and I. Um, but to for me to sit over here and say that I had a grand breeding plan, I bought those ewes and the buck came with them. I bred them to the buck. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not. It wasn't thirty years of cumulative sheep breeding that made him. You know, I I got lucky. Um, but hopefully, we'll be able to keep his daughters and, and prove that we can breed on them and, and make things uh, better. Uh, but you know, how do I feel about him? I'm just uh, elated that we got to be part of it. Um, it's just, uh, he really, really changed uh, the paradigm for us. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always hard when those, I mean, best man. I mean, another one for, for Wintex down there, uh, for our show pick folks. I mean, same, same kind of similar situation as far as, you know, one that just kind of changes stuff for somebody. And not that they didn't have success before that, but, I mean, talk about, one piece of livestock that made a big difference in the way that you do things and, uh, at the time when you have them and then going forward. So, uh, what do you guys from, uh, you know, what's next perspective? Where are you at? Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, we are going to obviously watch the suns, uh, very closely. Um, you know, that set of lambs that he sired last year out of those Sandman ewes that came from Neff, um, when they grew up, they were they were pretty different for Dorsets there. So we were watching a couple of those. Um, I've got a son out out of him down there that's actually appearing up on his mother. Uh, that's got some re- really really unique pieces. Um, we got some semen in the tank. We're not going to get too far away from him, and maybe it's uh, arrogant to say, but he's he's elite enough. I think the buck can stay around, and we can use him for another couple of two three years and not get behind. Um, he's probably ahead, honestly, for, he, yeah. to last that long. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, everybody's got to catch up to him. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good ways ahead of him. Uh, and obviously because of the trigger. I mean, I don't think it's any rocket science why. I mean, trigger was so far ahead of the blackface game when, uh, you know, when Brian used him. Um, I had a funny story about that. I was a contending bidder on trigger when Brian bought him at, at Midwest Elite, or the Premier 10 from Guy. And I have bought as many of those females as I could get that go back to that stuff. And that, to me, that's why Pure Enough is special. Powerhouse was not, uh, you know, just some world-class Dorset sire. Sired some really nice sheep. But to me, the mother of Pure Enough is what makes it unique. She was, is, uh, very high-end female. Awesome. So where are we going now? I have no idea. <laughs> but we're going to try to find the sun, and we're going to use some semen, and 
I'm gonna keep trying to win some sheep shows. Collect uh, collect some, some cells off of him. We did. We sent uh, we sent his ears into uh, Transova. Um, the sheep cloning is not real high success right now. Uh, and I don't know that we need to do it, but it yeah. sure felt like at the time that it was better to put up a cell line um, and have it in place. If five years from now we're out of semen and we still haven't found a replacement, it'd be a little disappointing that that, that would happen. Yeah. But for the investment, well, we felt like we owed it to him to at least have him there to clone if we wanted to. Absolutely. Oh, what for sure. You, what would you name a 2.0 bug? I don't know. <laughs> I always find it fascinating, you know, how people name livestock. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, Speaking of Wintex, he's about the the god of naming livestock. Holy hell, every, everyone a has story. a story. We got to give him credit because that's where I got the name Pure Enough. Uh, he, had, had <laughs> red, he had had a red boar um, several several years ago when we were still showing barrows. Um, you know, when the stress gene was, was coming in, he had a, a carrier red that they kept to make, uh, you know, spring pigs for Texas. He called him pure enough. And when this buck was born, I called him and said, well, I, I need to know if it's okay if I steal your name. Obviously, he, he was agreeable. So um, um, that's where that came from. Um, I, and I, I felt like with that, I don't know, you know, there's I'm sure there's been a lot of blackface sheep put in Dorsets. Um I just felt like I wanted to claim what that one's mom was, so it was easier to just tell the truth and try to call him a Dorset. Yep. Um, and, uh, um, you know, obviously, I think it probably cost us some money on semen sales. There are people that won't use him because he's not pure. But it also takes all, you know, we, we, everybody knows what they got, you know. Exactly. He, he's a crossbred buck. He just happens to make mm-hmm. white. Sometimes it was... Uh, well, I feel like we could have... Oh, go ahead, Corey. I was going to say... Uh, not only white and speckled, but sometimes we get a little uh, fun color patterns with those pure enough that you've had a couple of them recently. Yeah, there's some another in the lamb and jugs. <laughs> you get that sauce lined up pretty tight on that powerhouse. You get them, get them piebald looking things. So. <laughs> those are kind of cool color cheap. Not that they. No, uh, I feel like we're going to have some Hampshire hogs named Pure Enough here uh, coming in the <laughs> next yeah. couple months. I, know, I feel bad for those people. <laughs> Any uh, any just kind of like naysayers or maybe people are just like, man, like we don't need we don't need to cross them up in the Dorset game to you know create white sheep. Do you have any of those people that kind of? You know, I think there always are, right? And I and I never went into it. You know, I'm going to make Dorset, so I'm going to sell Dorset females. I mean, I told everybody from the get go, I'm keeping this buck because I want to win weather shows. Yeah, and I think he can make right. white sheep that win weather shows. There were purebred breeders that, and some of them were very vocal that, you know, we didn't need to be doing that. We didn't need to keep crossbred bucks. I find it humorous that now a lot of people have kept crossbred bucks in the Dorsets and have tried to do that and um, with, you know, with some success for sure. Right. Um, but I, you know, it is what it is. You got to try to make livestock better. And to me, the Dorsets weren't very good. And a shot of trigger sounded like a, Real quick shortcut to make them better. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. But sure, there were people that were like, hey, you, you know, you're going to dilute the Dorset breed. And I said, well, I'm not going to dilute the Dorset breed because I'm raising crossbreds. Yeah. Somebody buys a buckland for me and dilutes the Dorset breed, that's on them. You know, <laughs> yeah, we exactly. all know what this thing is. Yeah, you know? right. Nobody's telling these stories. <laughs> There's no secret. We all know your goal. Let's win some weather shows. But I will say this, that, you know, again, it just you get lucky. 
uh, there's no reason the Buck should have thrown as many white ones as he does. I mean, he should throw more speckles. He is at least a quarter black, and I would I would guess he's three eighths. Yeah, and he just if you breed him to speckled use, you most of the time get white lambs. Um, so genetically, that was just dumb luck. Yeah, right. Kind of an anomaly there with some of the stuff he throws, but it's cool. It's it's uh it's kind of fun to talk to people you know that have had. An experience with, you know, a piece of livestock, whether it be male or female, doesn't matter what species, but that that one that really just kind of does something for them, you know, and, and changes the program. Still waiting on that to happen for myself. I just keep uh, working at it. It only took me 25 uh, years. Shoot. I'm uh, <laughs> looking for a shortcut, so you know, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, no, it's cool just to, you know, for, hell, I don't even know who's going to be listening to this deal, but could be some people that maybe just don't know or maybe they're frustrated with it and stuff like that. But I feel like most of the people that stick with it and work at it, they hit the home run eventually. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, you just got to work hard and be convicted. Believe in something. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, most people probably would have cut him because he was a crossbred. But, you know, Lindsay convinced me that he was the one we needed to use. And, you know, kind of the rest is history. I mean, I don't think anybody could have looked into a crystal ball and known he was going to be as dominant as, as he was um, and continues to be. He just really is an elite sire. Um, hopefully his mom does it again. be awesome. All right, Trev, you got anything else for Brent? Something you want to – Some anything else we want to hit on before we uh, wrap it up? I, uh, I, you know, just, uh, again, not knowing a whole lot of, uh, of the history until now. And, uh, we got the opportunity to do this and, uh, just very fascinating, I think for all species tuning in and, and there's a lot to be learned from, uh, you know, a young, uh, a young guy trying to get into the, you know, maybe the purebred industry, uh, one day and just learning, Hey, you know, there is a home run maybe, but, I think uh, the the motto here is it's the consistency and like like Brent said, hitching your wagon and and seeing how far that wagon can roll uh, instead of uh, you know maybe uh, pulling from everywhere and believing what you believe in is is the moral of the story. So uh, I've I'm very very thankful for you jumping on here with us uh, to, to talk about everything and uh, how your process kind of rolls. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun and. Uh, I do appreciate you uh, jumping on. So uh, I know this may not get published uh, for a bit, but do you have any annual sales or where do people need to find you? Websites, Facebook, and all that. Sure. Facebook, Titus Club Lambs, uh, TitusClubLambs.com. We do all our online auctions at uh, W Livestock and uh, market most of our lamb crop that way. Um, open the barn up uh, here this spring and try to sell some sheep. So please stop by and, uh, we'd love to visit about our livestock with you. Yeah, most importantly, show up and uh, take a look at these things in person um, because I, I've been out here a couple times and you don't really know somebody's operation until you show up there. Uh, even meeting them at a sale or whatever, talking through them through Facebook Messenger, you don't really get a feel for what somebody's about until you actually show up to their farm. So quit asking for extra pictures and videos on Facebook. Just go out there and look at them. <laughs> Another social right. Travel down that dirt road. All right. Well, all right, Brent. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Uh, joining us here on Stock Talk. Uh, yeah. 
been a good talk. So thanks, guys. Have a great evening. Speaking. Thanks, Brent. Hey guys, of you still listening? Be sure to tune in uh, with some of our social media. That is Brand Spanking New, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of the above. Find us on uh, all of those. See us what your thoughts. Uh, throw us some uh, hashtags or or two. Uh, we want to hear your input. Thanks, guys. This has been another edition of Stock Talk. I got a good